as a pastor, one of the prayer requests that people most often ask me to pray for is for God to bless them. People often ask God to bless their relationships, their businesses, their health, their trips, houses, stores, buildings, and everything, even their pets. Everyone wants to be blessed by God. We say, God bless you, as a phrase that is very common when someone takes an exam, when someone starts a business, when someone does a job interview, when we part ways and say goodbye to our friends, when we end our speeches, or even at times when someone simply sneezes, we say, God bless you. It is greatly used even outside the church by athletes, politicians, celebrities, businessmen, and it is often associated with success, wealth, and fame because we all want to be blessed by God. But what does it mean to be blessed by God? And more importantly, what are the characteristics that would qualify us to be blessed by God? Today, we will be looking at Psalm 1 and discover the characteristics of a man or a woman that is blessed by God. I hope and pray that this could be a guide for all of us who desire God's blessings in our lives. Psalm 1 is known as a wisdom psalm, which can help us adjust and align our lives so that we can experience the blessed life. There are two parts to this psalm. The first one is verses 1 to 3, which talk about the man who will be blessed by God. And the second part, verses 4 to 6, talks about its opposite, or the judgment for the ungodly. These two parts show us two different types of people. It also shows us their contrasting behaviors and actions, and also their respective results and their destinies. We will be looking at all six verses and discover characteristics of the kind of man that is blessed by God. In the original Hebrew, the word that was translated blessed in verse 1 means happiness, blessedness, or satisfied. It is also in the plural form which can refer to the multiplicity of blessings or the intensity of the blessings, meaning the man who fulfills the descriptions that will be mentioned in Psalm 1 will be very blessed, will be very happy and satisfied. And I believe that is what we all want. Interestingly, it also comes from the Hebrew root word which means to be right, to be straight, or to be honest. Meaning to say, being blessed, being happy, and satisfied is attached and comes together as a result of being honest and being right with God. That there are no true blessedness and happiness if one is not right with God. Psalm 1 verses 1 to 6, let me read to you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like a shaft which the wind drives away, Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. 
the first characteristic of the kind of man God blesses is this. He avoids the pitfalls of evil. We see at the onset three things or three activities that the man God blesses does not participate or get involved in. He does not walk in the counsel or the advice of the ungodly. He does not stand in the path of sinners. And he does not sit in the seat of the scornful. Notice the progression of evil in verse 1. It begins by simply following the advices of the ungodly. Then by standing with them in their paths. And then comfortably sitting down with those who scorn or mock God. The man God blesses does not want to have any part in these. He lives his life differently and perhaps understands that there are things or activities that will corrupt him and he chooses to stay away from it. This is the kind of man that will be blessed by God. The first pitfall that the blessed man avoids is the counsel of the ungodly. He does not live by the advices or the principles of the ungodly. Principles that are morally wrong and set aside God. Principles that violate or neglect our biblical standards as followers of Jesus. He lives his life in a different way and he walks differently. These are rampant everywhere as we have plenty of exposures to billboards, social media, that offer ideas, advices, or counsels that, if unexamined, sounds attractive to the ears. We have friends who we talk to when we need help. We also have our own mind who would probably suggest that we do certain things whenever we feel a certain emotion or whenever we are in a particular situation. The man who will be blessed by God will choose not to walk in an ungodly counsel. Nowadays, have you heard statements such as, everyone does it anyways? It's normal in our class to cheat. The teacher won't know about it. He or she won't know. Just do it once. It won't hurt. I'm just a weak human being. Or Satan made me do it. The man who will be blessed by God understands that he is responsible for his actions and his decisions. The question for us is this, how do we know which advice is godly and which advice is not? The challenge for us is to develop the ability to discern and to identify which is godly advice and which is not so that we can avoid this pitfall. The second pitfall that the blessed man avoids is number two, the path of sinners. He will not adapt and copy the behaviors of this world. He will not stand in the same path and will not go along and will not do things like how this world does its things. He is not afraid to make a different stand for the Lord. Notice the progression. It started with just listening and following in the counsel of the ungodly. And now, the person finds himself in a greater degree of evil. He is standing together with them in their ways, going the same direction, engaging in their sinful ways and behaviors, adapting their patterns and their lifestyles, their way of doing things. If we want to be blessed by God, we are to avoid the pitfall of behaving like the sinful world. A few weeks ago, I went to a shipping store to air freight an item for a friend. It was a small store with just one staff on duty. The other one 
took a quick break. And there were probably around four to five customers inside the store because of social distancing protocols and around 10 to 11 more waiting outside the store. I was customer number eight and the number being served at the moment was just customer number two. I noticed that the situation inside and outside the store was becoming tense because those who were waiting were becoming restless and impatient. 30 minutes have already passed and it is just customer number five. People inside and outside started to complain to the staff saying words such as, the staff is very slow, the service is terrible, the staff is incompetent. The staff was trying her best but she couldn't do any better because she was just by herself. A few minutes later, three or four of those who were outside became angry and went inside the store and yelled at the staff. Some were even saying hurtful words already. The staff was already stressed and pressured and about to break down. She was just doing her job. When my turn came, I knew what she had just gone through. So I greeted her with a smile and I said to her, Ma'am, know that there are people who appreciate what you do. There will be bad days like this, but I hope you won't let it affect you. She smiled with a teary-eyed, thanked me, and breathed a deep sigh of relief. Friends, we do not have to copy what the world does. We are called to be different. The man God blesses is one who does not copy the lifestyle and the behavior of this world. Let me just clarify, this does not mean that you will have to disassociate yourself from sinners. We can actually maintain friendship with them and be the salt and light that God intended for us to be. What it means is the godly does not go along and adapt the lifestyle of sinners. This does not mean that we will no longer commit sin or error, but rather the one who will be blessed by God will not abide, will not dwell, will not continue in a lifestyle that is ungodly. The challenge for us is to live out a virtue called integrity so that we can avoid this pitfall. Pitfall number three, he avoids the seat of mockers. He will not defy, disrespect, or destroy the name of God, God's word, and his church. He will not participate in the mockery because he chooses to have a different crowd. The third progression of ungodliness points to the idea of sitting down or settling down together with the mockers or those who do not believe God, who blaspheme, who intentionally mock, discredit, and resist anything that relates to God. He is no longer comfortable just sinning, but he is now in a position to attack. These are the people who defy God and all that he is. They love to disrespect, they laugh at, they criticize and they put down the things of God and even His church. In one of his interviews with an American magazine many years before, John Lennon said, Christianity will end. It will disappear. I do not have to argue about that. I am certain Jesus was okay, but His subjects were too simple. Today, we, the Beatles, are more famous than Him. Lennon, after saying that the Beatles were more famous than Jesus, was shot six times and he died. 
after the construction of the Titanic, a reporter asked the man who built it how safe the Titanic would be. He responded with an ironic tone. He said, not even God can sink it. We know what eventually happened to Titanic. Some people make fun of biblical standards such as marriage before sex. They say it's the 21st century already and God and the church should be more open to it. Some people mock and make fun of people who go to worship or people who want to see spiritual changes in their lives. They say they'll be more holy than Jesus. I'm sure you've heard more and more people who are audacious in their mockery of God, His Word, and the Church. How do people mock God in our circles today? How do they mock the Church? The man who will be blessed by God is not comfortable when people make fun of God, His Word, and His Church. The challenge for us is to know how to defend God, His Word, and the Church so that we can avoid this pitfall. Someone said that the ship does not sink because of the water around it. It sinks because of the water that gets in it. There may be temptations or pitfalls around us that pressure us, but remember that these won't be able to hurt or sink you unless you let them in. The man God blesses avoids the pitfalls of evil. The second characteristic of the man God blesses is this. He loves the Word of God. Verse 2. The man God blesses patterns his life not on the counsel of the ungodly or the ways of the world, but on the Word of God. This is what keeps him strong against temptations and that keeps him in the way of righteousness. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He delights in the Word of God. Or in other words, he is self-motivated, driven, one who does not need to be forced or to be pulled by the hair to read or to listen to the Word of God. The idea is that the Word of God is to be our delight, which we willingly follow and we pay close attention to. Perhaps, much like when we followed the NBA Finals, I didn't have to force myself to wake up at 7.30 a.m. to watch the games. I voluntarily and willingly did that because I delight or I enjoy watching the basketball games. Some of us delight and follow Korean novellas or Korean actors and actresses. And I am, I am sometimes surprised that, that our members know the very details of the life of Hyun Bin or Park So Joon. Every move they make, they know their love life, their excess, sometimes even their haircut. People talk about it. I believe they were not forced to do that, but it was natural of them because they delight and they enjoy doing that. The man who will be blessed by God delights in his word. It carries the idea of being self-motivated in studying and knowing the Word of God. You don't have to be forced. You voluntarily do it because you love the Word. In our church, we praise God for the men and women who are hungry and who clamor for more of God's Word. They listen intently, not out of obligation, nor of pressure, but because they are interested and they want to know more 
of what the Word of God says. The man who will be blessed by God not only delights in God's Word, but he also meditates on it regularly and consistently. In verse 2, A blessed and happy man is one who knows what the Bible teaches and knows how it applies, when it applies, and where it applies because he meditates on it. In the scriptures, when it speaks about meditate, it involves thinking about what the Word of God means with the intention of knowing how, when, and where it applies in our everyday lives. Because the meditation, the study of the Word of God is not intended for us to have more information, but rather for us to experience life transformation. In His law, He meditates day and night. The psalmist uses an idiom, day and night, to point out the frequency of the blessed man's meditation of the Word of God. It is not intended to be literal 24-hour day and night, but what it means is habitual, consistent, and regular. A happy and blessed man is one who is built on the Word. Before I came to know the Lord, I didn't have any interest in reading the Bible. I have a copy, but I just treat it as one of the books for school. I rarely open it, and when I do, it is usually because it is required during class or chapel period. This attitude towards the Bible changed when I came to know the Lord when I was 15, 16 years old. As I desired to know and obey the Lord, I started a habit of personal devotion at night where I would read the Bible to get to know God more. I'm not the reader type of person, so I said to myself that I want to highlight anything and everything new that I discover about God during my Bible reading. So I bought a highlighter, and whenever I encounter new information about God, I highlight it. Statements that I like, I highlight it. To such a point that when I flip the pages of my Bible, it looked like a coloring book. Not because I read and highlighted so much, but because the ink of the highlighter would be too strong and the pages of my Bible would be so thin that if you highlight a sentence in Genesis, the ink would reach until Exodus. I remember that lesson as well. Here in our church, we praise God for men and women who continue to regularly study the Word of God through various means, through their personal devotions, through our sermon through our life groups where you can discuss what the Word of God says and how it applies in your life, through step classes where you get to know God and His Word in a deeper way. We praise God for members of our church who continue to take the initiative to get to know God and His Word more. These are characteristics of men and women who will be blessed by God. When you do not know what the Word of God says or teaches, you are more prone to live in unhappiness because of the tendency to fall into the trap of believing something that is not taught by God. A wrong understanding of godliness or spirituality is equally or probably even more damaging than an evil advice. When we don't know what the Word of God says, 
and we just follow man-made religion and rules legalistically, it leads to a deadly, tiring, and burdensome performance-based spirituality, forced obedience, and unhappiness. Growing up, I had a notion that God and the church is all about rules, rules, and rules that must be followed. My idea of God was someone who was strict, unforgiving, killjoy, who always had a stick in his hand, ready to hit me at every mistake I make. Whenever I go to worship, this was before when I was in high school and a new believer, I thought that you have to be serious all the time. You cannot smile or laugh, even when the speaker makes a funny joke. I thought that I have to wear polo all the time because God will not accept me if I wear an ordinary t-shirt and shorts to church. I thought that God will also not accept me if I have facial hair, if I go to movie houses, that I cannot touch a deck of playing cards because they are from the devil and that I will go to hell, and so on. As I grew in my understanding of the Word of God, I realized that the God in the Bible is not that kind of a God. I understood the immense grace and freedom that is found in Jesus Christ. When we know what the Word of God means and how it applies in our lives, it makes us blessed and happy, not only because it strengthens us and helps us grow, but also because it frees us from lies that the Bible does not teach, from legalism that will choke out the life and the joy out of us, and from a fake performance, religiosity, and spirituality that is impossible to fulfill, and from rules which, if unexplained, may lead to rebellion. You can try to live in man-made legalism. It will not lead to a blessed and happy life. The life Jesus gives is one that is not tiring, but relaxing. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John 8, 31 and 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And if you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Our blessedness and happiness come when we discover and realize the liberating truths that can only be found in the Word of God. So continue in your study of the Word. Discuss the Word, the sermon in your life group. Continue learning through our step classes and through different means. The third characteristic of a man that will be blessed by God is this. He bears fruit in verse 3. When you are connected to God and you delight and meditate on His Word, God will bless you and make you bear fruit. Though this does not necessarily mean material prosperity or freedom from any difficulties in life, when God blesses you, He can bless you in this life or in eternity. Verse 3, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, 
that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Psalm 1 uses the metaphor of a tree that gives us a picture of what it will be like when one is connected to God and planted in His Word. There are five fruits according to verse 3. Fruit number one, stability. He shall be like a tree. One who is anchored on the Word of God will be like a strong and steady tree that stands firm even in the midst of stormy times. He will not be swayed by the counsel of the ungodly, nor of the pressures of evil. The tallest building in the world, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, rises more than 2,700 feet, over half a mile tall. It has 160 floors, and it has the world's highest outdoor observation deck and the world's highest swimming pool on the 76th floor. But the secret to its stability is found underground. Before construction began to rise up, workers spent a year digging and pouring the massive foundation that supports the building. The foundation contains some 58,900 cubits yard of concrete weighing more than 110,000 tons. The building is safe because the foundation is solid. When we live according to God's principles of wisdom, we receive His blessings. But we also establish a firm foundation that will help us remain strong and steady during times of testing. Do you want to stand strong in the midst of storms? The question for us is this. Are you anchoring yourselves on the firm foundation of God's Word? Fruit number two, provision planted by the rivers of water. One who delights in the Word of God is like a tree planted in an environment where the supply of water is abundant. This means that it will never run dry because it will always receive nourishment from the streams of water. In the same way, when our lives are firmly attached and deeply planted in the source of life, God and His Word, He will make sure that you are in a position where we will not run dry, but we will be joyful and vibrant, and whatever we need for life and godliness will always be supplied. We will be happy because we are nourished enough and satisfied enough with God's supply. The question for us is this, are we positioning ourselves in such a way that we are ready to receive God's abundant supply? Fruit number three, productivity. That brings forth fruit in its season. When one is planted in God and His words, God's design is for that person to be fruitful. It is God who will cause the person to bear fruit in every season of his life. This re-echoes the very words of Jesus in John chapter 15. When we remain in Him, He says, John chapter 15 verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. One who abides can forgive more in troubled times. He can sleep in peace during times of testing. He can exercise faith when pressures surround him. He remains confident and unmoved 
He respects differences of opinion. He does not judge. He does not force love. His happiness does not depend on people. He can serve others without feeling insecure. He can show grace. He can give encouragement. In any and every season of life, God can bless him mightily to accomplish whatever purpose God has set for him. We definitely desire to be fruitful. The question for us is this. Are we staying attached to the vine, the one who can make our lives fruitful? Fruit number four, vibrancy. Whose leaf also shall not wither. This shows the healthy condition of the tree. It is always green, flourishing, and full of life. When one is anchored on God and His Word, it will result to a life of joy, happiness, and vibrancy. I've been taking care of plants in the past few months, and every day when I wake up and before I'd sleep, I'd make sure to check on my plants to see how they are doing. What scares me the most is when I see brown, black, or dry and withering leaves because it is an indication that the plant is dying because it does not receive the nutrients it needs to stay healthy. The man who is built on God and His Word will not have any signs of brown, dry, and withering leaves. He will always be vibrant and full of life. Are you feeling dry and withering? Draw strength and life directly from the source of all life, God. Fruit number five, success. Whatever he does shall prosper. Everything that you involve yourself in will be successful and prosperous. The idea is that it will turn out well. Whether it is ministry, family, business, a project, or an experiment, it will prosper. Now I want to be careful lest we assume it is monetary prosperity. God can bless us beyond what we can ever ask or imagine. God, God's blessing does not necessarily mean money. It can be spiritual increase, loving family relationships, good health, effective testimony, maturity, among many others. And whenever I read this, that he, whatever He does shall prosper, I say in my heart and my mind, Lord, this is what I want. I want to live a life that is blessed by You and that whatever I do will turn out well. I believe that this is also what many of us want, to be blessed by God. The question for us is this, are we preparing ourselves so that God will bless whatever we get ourselves involved in. I remember Joseph in the book of Genesis. He was a man who experienced a lot of tragedies. He was sold by his brothers. He became a slave. He was falsely accused and was even sent to prison. Yet in all the tragedies that he went through, the Bible says he was successful and eventually rose to power. Everything that he gets involved in was a success because of one crucial factor in his life and it was noticeable even by his master. Genesis 39 verse 3 
and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. The blessing of the Lord was upon him. Recently, I developed an interest for plants. It started when I had issues with ants in our house and I read on the internet how ants would avoid mints and how mints would even drive away ants. So I bought my first plant, which was a spare mint, and placed it on my table. It was green and healthy. In fact, it was outgrowing its pot. It had a lot of stems, which had a lot of very green and fragrant mint leaves. True enough, I never saw an ant again on my table. It was very effective, and I was very happy. I was so happy that I decided to propagate the plant, thinking that it will have many spare mints to put around the house. So I bought a larger rectangular pot, put soil in it. I cut the stems of my spearmint plants according to the YouTube videos I watched, at least four inch in length each stem, and replanted them one by one in my rectangular pot. I was very excited. My one spearmint plant became a total of 10 new spearmint stems that day. I watered it every morning when I wake up and check on it regularly to make sure it grows. But after three days, my rectangular pot became a graveyard. My spearmint plants had died, sadly. It started so well and so fragrant, only to be found lifeless and useless. When I look at the stems to see where I went wrong, I realize it did not grow roots that it needed to anchor and support its life. That day, I learned two lessons through it. The first one, I should have placed it in water first until it grows its roots. And number two, spiritually, when we don't grow roots, we won't bear fruits. The fruits of blessedness, happiness, prosperity, satisfaction that we are looking for can only be found when we anchor ourselves in God and in His Word. The fourth characteristic of the man God blesses is this. He understands the emptiness of ungodliness. One will never experience the blessedness and true happiness when he fails to realize that the pursuit on happiness that is based on material things, man-made religion, performance-based spirituality, or anything other than the Word of God will only lead to more emptiness, restlessness, and even misery. Let's look at verses 3 to 6 where the psalmist uses a strong contrast to reveal the painful destiny of those who choose intentionally or unintentionally to ignore God. Whether consciously or even unconsciously, they anchor themselves on anything other than God and His Word. They may seem happy, but not really. They may seem blessed and fruitful and successful, but the Bible tells us, not really. Verses 4 and 5, The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. While this may refer ultimately to unbelievers, we believers 
can fall into the trap of believing and anchoring our Christianity on something that God does not say in His Word. And it will lead to our unhappiness. As believers, our salvation is secured in Christ and can never be altered. But it is our daily sanctification, our daily walk with God, that can suffer the consequences when we are careless with the choices that we make every day. The one who will be blessed by God understands, number one, ungodliness leads to a restless and endless pursuit of fleeting happiness. While the godly are anchored and guided by the Word of God, the ungodly, on the other hand, are driven by the wind wherever it blows. Unlike the godly which were likened to a tree planted, the ungodly are likened to a shaft that the wind drives away. A shaft refers to the shell or the coat of the grain that is separated during the threshing period. It is hollow. It has no substance. It has no body. It, that is why when you toss the grains into the air, the shaft is easily blown away by the wind. It has no worth at all and it is usually burned. It pictures the life that has no God in it, empty and worthless. Like a shaft that has no substance, the ungodly. According to the original word used, the ungodly refers to those who are disconnected from God and who do not live by God's word. They are driven wherever it blows. Meaning to say, these are people who do not have solid biblical convictions. They have a wrong understanding of God and His Word. They are easily swayed, perhaps by what other people say, or by what's popular, or by the counsel of the ungodly. In addition, the ungodly also carries the idea of creating violence, hurting others, restlessness, one who cannot find happiness, and so they try one thing or one lust after another to an extent that at times they are willing to hurt and take abuse or take advantage of other people for their own selfish agenda. Do you know that we believers can also be ungodly many times and even hurt others? We can be ungodly not only in our behavior but also in our expectation of others. There was a story of a man walking around the village with his young carabao. As they walked through the streets, the man heard a group of people murmur, Look at the guy, he has a carabao, but he doesn't ride on it. So the man hopped on the carabao and continued to walk around the village. When they reached the next street, there was another group of men who commented, Look at the man, so merciless riding on the young, helpless carabao. So he went down once again and walked along the village. On the next street, there was another group of men, but this time, they were shocked to see that the man was carrying his carabao on his shoulders. Friends, when we don't have solid biblical convictions and we live based on what people say, we will realize that in the end, no one will be happy. Not the people we try to please, not ourselves, not even God. 
And I would say, there is no joy in that kind of living. I was watching an interview on YouTube about lifestyles of famous athletes and celebrities, and it mentioned how many have turned to vices such as gambling, partying all night, and even to illegal drugs because they long for something deep inside. These are personalities who we see smiling all the time, entertaining others who seem to be doing just fine. But deep inside, they are lost and empty. They had all the fame, the money, the power, the possession, jewelries, prestige, influence. But at the same time, they still felt empty deep inside. This is the sad reality that is happening in the lives of many. Ungodliness only leads to restlessness and endless pursuit of fleeting happiness and emptiness. It will never satisfy. But what is most terrifying for the ungodly is number two, ungodliness leads to God's judgment. When the time comes that we will appear before God, the ungodly will bear the eternal consequences of their decisions. They will not be able to survive God's judgment and they will be excluded in the assembly of the righteous. These are permanent and irreversible consequences that we should take note of. Verse 5, Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. There will be a time of judgment when everyone, both godly and ungodly, will stand before God and they will be assessed according to the decisions they have made or the decisions they fail to make in their lives. We may think that the ungodly can get away with their evil deeds, but God sees them and there will be a perfect time of reckoning for them where they will be forever separated from the presence of God. Hebrews 9.27 says, And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 to 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the dead were judged according to their works. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Sadly, for the unbelieving, when the time of judgment has come, there will be no more time to rewind to make decisions you should have made today. And there, as someone said it, the great fires of hell will open its mouth wide to welcome those who have chosen the way of ungodliness. I hope that these words of wisdom serve as a warning and a wake-up call to all of us, including myself, as Proverbs 14 verse 12 puts it, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of destruction. We can learn from the life of a man who is known for his pursuit of meaning, purpose, and happiness in life, King Solomon. He is someone who we can say had it all. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we can discover that he tried various worldly activities and experiences which he thought could provide the satisfaction and contentment that he was looking for. He had power, he was king over Israel, 
He was the richest and the wisest man to ever live. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. He tried worldly pleasures and other experiences. But the end of all his pursuits, he concluded, he said, everything is meaningless, pointless, a chasing after the wind. And the conclusion of the whole matter is this, fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The one who will be blessed by God understands the emptiness of ungodliness. Lastly, the one who will be blessed by God is this, he lives in God's protection and guidance. Verse 6, the reason why one who is connected and planted in His Word can experience blessedness and happiness and peace is because the Lord who is sovereign over all watches over him. Verse 6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. We see two different ways that lead to two different results. One, the way of the righteous, which the Lord knows everything about. Not just know for the sake of information, but the word know in the original word refers to God's activity of intimately watching and lovingly looking over His people to protect those who choose to follow Him. And number two, the way of the wicked, which in the end shall be destroyed. And all those who walk in it together with their pursuits, their ungodliness, their wickedness, all will come to a disastrous end. The way we choose to go is a choice that we have to make every day. There are only two ways to go. One leads to blessedness, to happiness, and one that leads to disappointment, emptiness, and destruction. There are no middle grounds. Either you are in one or the other. The question for us is, which way will you choose to go? If there is one simple reminder that I'd like all of us to remember from Psalm 1, it is this. The man God blesses is one who is connected to Him and who lives by His Word. Going back to my plant stories, I actually bought another spearmint plant weeks after my first one died. This time, I knew better. And I did not cut its stems in order to propagate it. What I did was to simply transplant it to a larger pot with soil which I also bought from the store. I was excited again because I knew I was about to make many spearmint plants and that if I succeeded in propagating the plant, I thought of giving each church staff a plant of their own as Christmas gift. I was very happy because I have new spearmint plant and more importantly, I could save money for Christmas gifts. However, two to three days into the new larger pot, I noticed that whenever I watered the plants, the water would not subside. The soil would not absorb the water. And the water would just be on top of the soil until I scoop it out or pour it out of the pot. I started to panic, especially when I noticed a growing number of brown spots on the leaves. I said to myself, oh no, it might become graveyard number two. But it is still around 50% alive, so there's still hope. When I inspected the plant, I noticed that for some reason, the soil has become so hard 
and so tight for the water to penetrate. In my own description, it became like a cement that has hardened. It was not a very good ground for the plant. It won't allow water to go through to the roots of the plant to supply the nutrients necessary for it to grow. I had to break down the soil and till it so that it would be conducive for the plant to live and be fruitful. Friends, our heart is like the soil where God plants His Word. When our heart is as hard as cement and we won't allow God to penetrate and affect our lives through His Word, the result will be a life that is lacking in nutrients necessary for us to be fruitful. May we cultivate hearts that are open and ready to receive God and His Word because then and only then will we experience God's blessings upon our lives. May God bless us as we live out the characteristics that qualify us for His blessings. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word to us today. May You make our lives like fertile ground for You and for Your Word so that we can bear fruit through the power of the Holy Spirit for Your glory and for Your honor. We ask, Lord, that You bless us every day. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.